Get ready to hear something good about cannabis. Nurse Heather brings her eternal optimism and professional expertise to the stories of the day, discussing current topics and events, making life's lemons into sweet lemonade, and sharing a tall glass with guests, friends, and her listeners. CannabisRadio.com is happy to present Good News with Nurse Heather, the show infused with compassion and love. From high atop Mount Soledad in beautiful San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning, dear listeners. This is Good News with Nurse Heather. Good morning, Nurse Heather. Good morning, Canna Kenny. We, I'm so excited today. You know, we have listeners from all over the world and in the United States, from Florida, Texas, El Paso, which is where our special guest today is from, California. But recently, we've had some listeners from Germany, so I want to say hello in German to them. And Nurse Heather, give us kind of your top-of-the-shelf health information, especially as in some of the jurisdictions now kids are going back to school or getting ready to go back to school. What kind of advice would you give to uh, moms and others uh, who are dealing with those stresses and uh, what kind of precautions they should take? Well, obviously, Kenny, Kenny, it's wash your hands wear your mask, be safe, follow the protocols. Um, It's a little bit nerve wracking if you're a parent trying to decide whether you're sending your child to school or if you're going to, uh, you know, choose the online virtual learning. Uh, Several of my nursing colleagues are trying to get their children back into school. And there's a whole array of issues going on with that. And you know, having parents turn into teachers and then also virtual teachers. <laughs> they're, they're trying to learn how to utilize technology and set their children up to be successful. Um, I know we've talked before that some of these schools that are opening up are seeing spreads happen rather quickly and they're needing to close back down. And so I would just say, you know, keep your hands washed, try to be as healthy as you can. And cannabinoids are a wonderful way to keep your immune system boosted. Also vitamin C, lots of zinc. Um, There are things that you can do. CBD is showing to be very beneficial. There's some research going on currently about CBD and COVID and how it can potentially work at the immune system level to perhaps slow the um, replication of the virus for those who do acquire it. But again, it's also a great immune boosting substance, CBD. So uh, take your CBD, keep your hands clean and cover your mouths and noses. And I recommend a heavy dose of good news with cannabis nurse Heather. We've recorded many, many podcasts in the past and you can find that library online with CannabisRadio.com and in other great places. But uh, this is a good news segment. Nurse Heather, today we have an incredible person, uh, a special guest today, uh, someone we've gotten to know very well over the last two to two and a half years. Um, He's probably one of the most prominent members of the San Diego community. Uh, He's had a tremendous career in law enforcement. Uh, I am speaking of none other than Chief Dave David Bejarano. He was not only the former police chief of Chula Vista, California, which is California's 13th largest city, but previously was the police chief for the city of San Diego. And he has extensive experience in law 
more recently, he's become, uh, I'd say, dipped his toe in the cannabis space as far as the security aspects go. So without further ado, can I introduce to our listeners, Chief David Bayerano. Good morning, Chief. Uh, good morning, uh, Kenny, and good morning, uh, Nurse Heather, and all of the uh, listeners uh, in our country and beyond, and a special uh, good morning to uh, listeners from El Paso, Texas, where I was raised and born. And that leads us to, you just have such a compelling story, uh, an American story, and I'm just so proud just to know you and associate with you from time to time, and so is Nurse Heather. Give us a, kind of the bird's eye view, the thumbnail sketch, so to speak, of your background uh, growing up in El Paso and beyond until you eventually landed where you are now as the retired chief? Well, thank you. As you mentioned, yes, uh, born in El Paso, Texas, a very humble uh, beginning. Uh, I actually lived on the south side of El Paso, and you could actually almost throw a rock and hit the Mexican border with Ciudad Juarez uh, right next to El Paso, Texas. So, uh, you know, uh, my mother, father, uh, they uh, really didn't have any education. Uh, my mother spoke primarily Spanish, and that was the Spanish that we spoke at home. Uh, my father did graduate from uh, high school and uh, ended up being a manager of a large uh, nationwide moving company, but uh, started out the hard way with heavy labor. And and I learned early on the, uh, the importance of uh, integrity and work ethic and and appreciating the, the few things that we had in our life. We might not have had a lot on the financial side, uh, but there was always a lot of love and support at home. As I mentioned, my neighborhood was a tough neighborhood, uh, primarily Latino, uh, a small percentage of African-Americans, uh, low income, a lot of gang activity and crime. But I saw firsthand uh, during those early years of my life of uh, the importance of public safety uh, since, unfortunately, we saw a lot of law enforcement activity, firefighters in our neighborhood. And I believe that's what led me to a career in law enforcement, uh, just seeing the, the, the good news, the good side, what public safety can do in communities that uh, sometimes need uh, more policing than others. Well, it's an amazing career that you've had, and I do want to share, acknowledge, and thank you for your service as a U.S. Marine. I know you were. that's where you sort of got your start. Uh, after El Paso. And then what brought you to San Diego and how did you move up the ranks and take on those important responsibilities of chief of uh, major cities in California and the U.S. Marshal for the Southern District of California? Oh, well, thank you, Kenny, again. Uh, I actually uh, had enrolled at the University of Texas at El Paso after uh, high school graduation. And then a good friend of mine and I uh, decided uh, kind of overnight uh, to join the Marine Corps, uh, with all due respect, I uh, didn't consider any other military service. Uh, yeah, I wanted to be a Marine. And so uh, instead of uh, starting uh, school in the fall of 1975 at UTEP, I uh, joined the Marine Corps. Uh, remember that first morning arriving in, uh, in uh, Paris Island, South Carolina for boot camp, uh, the yell loud yelling and uh, the humidity, the sand fleas eating your face. And I, uh, I thought for a second, you know, maybe UTEP would have been a better option. But uh, again, <laughs> North Marine Corps, I was promoted pretty quickly. And, and that, again, also established my foundation of public service. What led me to uh, San Diego was uh, my wife. Uh, we've been blessed. My wife, uh, Espy, 
and I have been married for 42 years now. We just celebrated wow. our 46th anniversary recently. And uh, I met her just before I joined the Marine Corps in El Paso, and her family moved to San Diego. And so I have to admit, I followed my uh, my 42-year-old partner to, uh, you know, uh, San Diego. And as I mentioned, I initially was looking at being a firefighter. I, uh, I first applied to the San Diego Fire Department, and at the same time, I applied shortly thereafter to the San Diego Police Department. Uh, I needed a job, so the police department hired me before the fire department, and that started a, um, a rewarding, a very fortunate 25-year career with the uh, city of San Diego. And I was fortunate, had a lot of great assignments, a lot of opportunities as a patrol officer and, and going through the ranks up to uh, assistant chief. And after uh, 20 years, I was one of the youngest uh, persons ever, and also with a tenure of 20 years to become chief for the city of San Diego. And that was in uh, 1999. And uh, in San Diego, it was the sixth largest city at the time. So, uh, Quite, quite a tax, uh, but I was very blessed and fortunate. Uh, and again, I had uh, a lot of support over the years to, to reach that uh, position of being the chief and, uh, in San Diego. After uh, almost five years as the chief in San Diego, and we had a lot of successes, uh, we were known worldwide as the leaders in community policing. And I believe you'll come back to that uh, topic or shortly, the importance of community policing, community partnerships, and policing a diverse community. Uh, but after a 25-year career with the uh, San Diego Police Department, I was uh, fortunate to be uh, appointed uh, the U.S. Marshal for the Southern District of California by President Bush. Again, a presidential appointment required Senate confirmation and uh, and then after that, I uh, I retired for a short time, uh, led a secure owner of a security company in San Diego, and then I still had that bug in, as far as being a police officer. And in 2009, I became the chief of the city of Chula Vista, a city where my family and I lived for about 30 years. So a lot of pride and and ownership being the chief in Chula Vista. And then most recently, but actually in the last three years, I've, uh, I've been heavily involved in providing security consulting, uh, government strategies uh, for, uh, for um, the cannabis industry as far as retail operations. It's an amazing career. And we're going to take a short break to give our uh, valued sponsors a chance to talk to our audience and beautiful listeners. We'll be back in just a minute with our very special guest, this amazing man. Former Chief David Bejarano. Good News with Nurse Heather will return, but first, let's show some love to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. 
It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resents, only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet Sativa! Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Nurse Heather is back to spread some more good news only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back, beautiful listeners, and we've been engaged in some finding out some information about one of the most beloved figures in the Southern California area, Chief David Bejarano, who's brought us all the way up to now where he's a retired man and uh, happily living in a beautiful city called Chula Vista and now in the consulting space for security in the cannabis field. And before getting into some of the cannabis topics, I thought I'd ask, first of all, if you had any thoughts or observations generally about law enforcement, the evolution of it, and all of those kinds of issues, especially surrounding cannabis, you know, have your views changed? Yeah, I believe, honestly, my views have changed. And uh, when you take a look at, uh, at my career, uh, I forgot to mention that I was fortunate also during my tenure in law enforcement to be become the president of the California Chiefs Association and California has over 330 chiefs. So uh, besides being the chief in Chula Vista, it was almost like having a full-time position as president of the California Chiefs Association. And, and, uh, and this was in 2015, and that was probably my first uh, introduction, my step into uh, learning, being educated regarding the, the cannabis uh, industry, uh, especially at that time with the municipal side of cannabis, uh, we uh, we had the opportunity, I and a few other chiefs that I led, to sit down and have conversations, meaningful conversations, discussions, and recommendations within, within Governor Brown of California, also the uh, then Attorney General for California, Kamala Harris, who is uh, obviously a, uh, a candidate for the, uh, uh, or nominated for the vice president uh, position on the Democratic side. So I, I was able to sit down with, uh, with uh, both of them, a small group of their staff, and the development of what we have now in California, some of the probably most contemporary uh, cannabis regulations uh, for California, and that serves as guidelines for local governments as far as uh, regulating uh, 
legalized cannabis uh, retail stores. And then obviously my, my opinion, my impressions, as I sat down not only with uh, the governor of California, the attorney general, but also with uh, many members of the cannabis industry in California, from the manufacturers, distributors, cultivation, et cetera, uh, really opened up my mind. Uh, obviously, law enforcement was probably behind the times a bit. Uh, uh, obviously, there's still concerns regarding the uh, uh, individuals who might be driving under the influence, but we have to respect uh, d- uh, democracy. In California, two-thirds of the voters uh, approved what was called then Proposition 64 to legalize uh, adult use of marijuana. And... Uh, so that's where my education started, my foundation, and the changing as far as that, um, like any other regulated business, it's, uh, it's something that's approved by the voters. In the city of Chula Vista, it was also approved by uh, two-thirds of the community. And, uh, and so I believe in speaking to a number of chiefs, uh, members in policing, uh, people are seeing and uh, being more educated, uh, more aware of uh, – of the use of, uh, of adult marijuana on the legal side. So I think law enforcement has really made a significant stride uh, in moving forward and recognizing uh, that it is legal and, uh, and obviously keeping in mind the regulations to ensure the safety and well-being of all. Uh, and so thank you again. I think that's a thanks on behalf of all of us who are passionate about the role of cannabis in the, especially for health and wellness uh, for your you know, pivotal role, really, in helping roll out the uh, medical and adult use in California. But I'm going to shift gears just a little bit because I really, this is a question we haven't chatted about before, but obviously over the last several months in particular, it's been become particularly clear that the issue of, of racial justice has become prominent, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, things of that nature. I just generally wanted to get your sort of uh, views on you know, what, what's your solution to that? How do we develop and, and move law enforcement and our other communities and our other uh, constituents toward a fair, more just system for all racial uh, uh, persons in the country? Well, thank you. Again, as I reflect over my 35 years of uh, law enforcement and, and really working and policing uh, communities of color where we saw up against uh, maybe some injustices, uh, we saw a heavy crime rate. Uh, we've been here before, and I'm talking about the the community at large, uh, community leaders, elected officials, chief executives, and promising or taking some initial steps to end racism, uh, systemic discrimination. And we've done the, this through uh, task forces, commissions, policy changes. Yet, unfortunately, we have not been too successful in implementing long-term changes. Uh, I believe that uh, when all of us saw the uh, senseless death of uh, George Floyd, and then, unfortunately, we've seen many others, it's truly shocked the nation, and, uh, and including police officers in the police community. If you are currently wearing a badge or ever have, if you're not sad and shocked uh, and embarrassed by this, uh, uh, there's something wrong because, again, obviously law enforcement, they put their lives on the line every day. And, and, and let me also be quite clear, based on my 35 years of law enforcement, I spend a lot of time in patrol, as I mentioned, 
policing communities of color, the vast majority of officers day in and day out do an incredible job to keep our communities safe. And, and most of that good work is in communities of colors of color. But again, it's, uh, if we need to focus on that very small percentage of individuals that should not be law enforcement officers and, and address that criminal behavior immediately. And I, I kind of feel, uh, Chief, I kind of feel that, you know, law enforcement over the years has been tasked to do certain things that involve social conditions that may not really be, you know, in their wheelhouse and that we sort of like over time, some of the local jurisdictions, I'm not saying San Diego, but I'm saying some of the local jurisdictions would cast these problems off and say, let the police handle it when maybe there was a better solution for other types of skills and professionals uh, to deal with those issues. And the other thing is, I Nurse Heather was led the way in proving that cannabis is safe and effective for post-traumatic stress disorder. I also feel like a lot of our law enforcement people probably suffer from PTSD and it's untreated or it's not well treated. And so you have that fight or flight response that can occur where somebody overreacts to a situation. What do you think? Yeah, let me let me back up a little bit, Kenny, if I may, again, sure. regarding the, the critical point you, you made out. Uh, yes, law enforcement for years has been asked to do a lot of, uh, address a lot of behaviors, uh, a lot of problems in our, in our community that probably are better addressed uh, by other professionals. Uh, so, and, and without a doubt, cities and police departments need to rethink. I think this is a prime opportunity to reimagine policing. Uh, we have seen some changes, and there's no doubt what we see now in policing is going to change a year from now. But we need to look at, at identifying different skills that emphasize, for example, uh, critical thinking, uh, understanding the uh, context of policing in poor and racially and ethnic diverse communities. Uh, uh, the driving culture, I believe, for every department has to be to be respectful and impartial. And as I mentioned, uh, change has to come. Uh, homelessness uh, is an issue that officers respond to day in and day out. In the city of San Diego many years ago, when I was the chief, uh, uh, we actually hired uh, mental health clinicians. And, uh, and they write with a police officer, and they're the primary uh, units that respond to a homeless situation, a mental health situation. Uh, officers have some training, but not to the level of a mental health clinician. So we need to expand that uh, throughout uh, California, throughout the nation with experts that can find those resources and diffuse a potentially uh, violent situation with our mental health community. Uh, another example would be in the state of California. Uh, mental health hospitals, for the most part, were closed down. That shifted that responsibility to law enforcement uh, the, the mental health care, mental hospitals in California are county jails. That's not a good, uh, not a good answer for that. So uh, another example would be uh, where officers are tasked with addressing uh, truancy and student behavior issues. And we've seen some of those mishandled throughout the nation involving police and student contacts. That's better suited for social workers, educators. And uh, so community policing, without a doubt, is more important. I believe the second part of that, as you mentioned, the, uh, uh, the stress, the trauma that officers uh, go through, uh, uh, yes, uh, maybe uh, uh, there are other options to make sure that, again, on the health and well-being of officers, uh, uh, we have to make sure that they're healthy, 
mentally and physically uh, so they can be better partners in policing our uh, diverse communities. And you've just been so enlightened on the subject and you're such a valued, incredible person now in the community. I know we're going to have a break in a moment, but uh, I know that Nurse Heather will be looking forward to working with you more closely in the future so we can convey that message to law enforcement that there's ways of utilizing cannabis uh, in a non-psychoactive form that can't possibly interfere with their duties, but can help them for PTSD. But we reach a point, dear listeners, where we're going to give everyone a break to listen to our wonderful sponsors for a minute or two. We'll be back on the other side with our very special guest, Chief Bejarano. We'll see you in a moment. Good News with Nurse Heather will return, but first, let's show some love to our sponsors. Dazed and Infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. Nurse Heather is back to spread some more good news only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back, beautiful listeners. This is Canna Kenny with Nurse Heather, and this has been good news. And we've had a lot of good news so far in this segment with our Chief Bejarano, haven't we? We have. And, you know, I really loved what you were saying in the last segment, uh, Chief David. We, um, you know, it's it's very similar with police officers and firefighters and first responders. It's, it's very similar with nurses as well, that there is a stigma and the inability for us to actually utilize cannabinoid therapeutics for ourselves. And a lot of us are exposed to, as Ken said, the post-traumatic stress disorder, the stressors of our jobs. And a lot of times we're left utilizing things like alcohol or other substances, you know, pharmaceutical medications in lieu of cannabinoid therapeutics. And, you know, what we've seen through science and research is how beneficial cannabinoids, specifically CBD, uh, which is, you know, non-intoxicating it can be for mental health conditions. And my question to you is, do you see a pathway forward for 
police officers, firefighters, first responders, and medical professionals to be able to someday have the okay to utilize cannabinoid therapeutics for our own health and well-being. I believe, uh, Nurse Heather, that's obviously a very interesting question. Uh, are we here yet? Uh, no, no, we are not. Uh, but uh, again, as, as we continue, and I'm talking about the law enforcement uh, as a whole, public safety, and other healthcare professionals that are probably a little bit more educated on the subject. Can CBD be, be something that really addresses PTSD, the, the stress-related uh, uh, stresses uh, involving our um, public health individuals, our public servants? Uh, I believe in the future that uh, there is a pathway, uh, there's an opening there, obviously without the intoxicating THC content, though that's simply the CBD. But I believe as, uh, as we continue to learn more, and, and, and as you know, uh, both of you are the experts, Kenny and yourself, as far as the, uh, the medical data out there, the scientific information, that I believe, as I mentioned, that uh, policing will look differently. Uh, a lot of things that we do differently here in the next couple of years. Uh, I believe there's a strong opportunity and possibility that at some point that could be a viable option to, uh, again, ensure that we keep our... Uh, public service healthy and prepared for the difficult challenges they face day in and day out. And so our, some of our anecdotal information, Chief, you might be interested to know is that when Nurse Heather was a special guest at the High Times in Denver, shortly after they'd approved their adult, we were at their major cannabis conference around the 420 holiday, as we refer to it. And there were about 15,000 people in attendance in a area that was maybe the size of a city block. And so it was fairly crowded and congested. And there were no Denver police at all inside the arena. They were all outside just doing traffic work. And there wasn't a single incidence of violence. And best of all, there was no alcohol available at it. So our anecdotal one is that uh, people who tend to use cannabis tend to be rather peaceful. But I was wondering if you have any anecdotes. Uh, I mean, your friends and family um, are suddenly seeing uh, their hero uh, being involved a little bit in the cannabis industry yourself. What kind of feedback, what kind of jokes are you given, if any? Oh, well, yeah, it's interesting to mention that, Kenny. I said, uh, yes, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I think you, you probably hit it right on the nail is that, uh, not necessarily shocked, but surprised. And, and then when I'm able to sit down and, and talk again about my experience uh, during my tenure as uh, president of the California Chiefs Association, uh, what I learned uh, during that uh, year-long process and meeting with the, uh, the, the governor, the attorney general, uh, experts from the cannabis industry, and, uh, and how, again, obviously we're, you know, illegal, simply is... Um, is something that we all are concerned about because we have no idea what's in that uh, that cannabis and and obviously the uh, uh, the sales on the street. But uh, you know, legalized uh, and regulated uh, cannabis business, I think you're seeing a change as far as the view. And once uh, you're able to explain uh, that part of it, uh, the regulations in place to keep people safe, and I believe also uh, I, I know of individuals, a number of individuals. Uh, that uh, are very positive who had the ability through a terminal illness uh, to have access to uh, to the medicinal uh, cannabis and uh, 
And that's why I think what people speak highly of, or at least they saw a major difference with their loved ones. So again, we're slowly evolving. And, and I think people, uh, if, uh, if anything, respect, uh, uh, the fact that, uh, on the, on the legalized, uh, regulated business that, uh, it's something that we're going to see more and more of, and I believe it's going to be accepted uh, and more, especially here in California, where normally a little bit more contemporary and kind of lead the rest of the nation. And I saw the same thing, you know, 17 or so years ago when I first uh, was exposed to using medical cannabis for a hospice patient who was basically terminally ill for cancer how much better her life improved when she used cannabis without all of the opiates. And Nurse Heather, why don't you sort of, we're getting close to the end of our segment and kind of finish up here and then we'll say goodbye to our guests and our listeners. Well, I just want to thank you, Chief, for for spending some time with us. You're so highly respected by us and our community that we really wanted our listeners to get a chance to know who you are and know that uh, there are wonderful law enforcement professionals who are out there and really evolving in their mindset like yourself to try to understand uh, the benefits of this plant and how we can make systematic changes to allow for all people to have the health and well-being benefits that can come from this plant. So I truly appreciate you being here with us today. Well, thank you very much, Chief. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure, Kenny. And, uh, Nurse Heather, and uh, again, I hope that all of you stay healthy and uh, and uh, we'll hopefully talk at, uh, at a future date. Buen fin de semana para usted y our, our other listeners. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for spending some time with us on Good News with Nurse Heather. Please be sure to check out our show on CannabisRadio.com. Tune in, Spriker apps, Super syndicated on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, Spotify and iHeartRadio. To our listeners around the world, thank you and have a beautiful day. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.